Hi, this is Andrea. And this is Fiorenza. Welcome to the Belonging Project podcast. We are so excited to have you here with us. The purpose of this podcast is to bring voices together to talk about belonging. Through inspiring real-life conversations with our guests, we learn about how belonging can show up in so many different ways, what it feels like to belong, and the impact of truly belonging. In each episode, we will offer you inspirational and practical strategies to find your true voice in your life, in society, and as a leader. Let's dive in. Hi, Dylan. So happy to have you here today. Um, we both met through our book club, uh, the Allyship Book Club, for which you are also a facilitator. You're also a DNI project coordinator and learning and development content developer for equality leaders. And this came as you transitioned away from the aviation industry. I would love to know more, know more about you, your story in your own words. Yeah, hi, Fiorenza, and, and hello to, to all, all of your listeners. Thank you so much for, for having me. And um, it, yeah, it's great to be here. And I'm just excited to kind of um, share our stories with one another. So um, a little bit about me. I am South African. So I grew up in rural South Africa in the 80s and 90s. Um, my dad was a bank manager. And so we moved around the country from one little town to the other about every year, every two years. So that always meant new schools, new friends, new communities. And so I became very good at um, making uh, relationships pretty fast, having to make friends pretty fast. And then, of course, there was always the sad thing of having to leave that all behind and, yeah, start fresh. But I eventually uh, returned to my roots, which is in the Eastern Cape province of South Africa, where my entire family and my, my ancestors, you know, had lived out their lives. And I went back because I was attending university there. Um, and I guess it was at university where um, anthropology became the love of my life, because in so many ways, it, it aligned with how I felt about my place in this world, in that difference was celebrated, right? Um, and so anthropology just became my bedrock. I really, really thrived in that. And so five years later, I graduated with a Bachelor of Social Science degree, fresh out of university, ready to change the world. And I thought, where better to go than Europe? <laughs> so I emigrated. And I started off in London, where um, I started living and working. And over the course of the last 12 years, I really have had the privilege of living in Berlin, Budapest, London, Hamburg, and I'm now currently in Barcelona. Um, as you mentioned, I had a career in aviation for close on 12 years, um, but that ultimately ended with my role being made redundant with the onset of the pandemic. So a year ago, um, 
when that happened, of course, it's, it's never easy, is it? But looking back on it now, I can appreciate the fact that it really was an opportunity for me to pause, take stock, recalibrate, um, and reconnect with my values. And so that's when my journey into the diversity, equity, inclusion space began. And that's where I find myself today. And it feels like home. So here I am. <laughs> that is amazing. And there are so, uh, so many different things that you've just shared that I want to unpack a little. Um, maybe we can start with um, you growing up and moving from one place to the next uh, and the next again. What were, if you, if you remember your, early perceptions of belonging and being home how was that for you when you were young mm. you're still young of course <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I like to think I am <laughs> although my body doesn't feel like it all the time um my early perceptions of belonging I think you know um it can't it comes down to being surrounded by, by friends and, and, and by community, right? So we, as a close-knit family, and, and when I say that it was, you know, my mum, my dad, and my younger brother, the four of us, um, because it was a way of life, we were almost nomadic, if you will, every two years, um, shifting homes and moving to different towns and communities. I think we all, in a way, became really used to that lifestyle, um, accepted it for what it was, and just adapted accordingly. So I think we always found our way um, in terms of... Uh, connecting with people, cultivating those friendships, which were mostly through dad's work, right, through colleagues. But that was a great way for my mum to meet um, other people, other mums. She was a young mum, so, you know, it was important for her to kind of have that sense of community around her. And, of course, you know, growing up as little kids, you always have school, right? And yeah, maybe the first day or two are, are rather um, tough, but you're on the playground, you're happy as can be, you get to meet other kids, right? And so, yeah, in terms of belonging, it was very much my family's together, I have friends, and life is good. Mm. That is amazing. That's an amazing first encounter with belonging, I think. Mm. Yeah. And if we if we talk a little bit more about your first um, professional path um, and your transition into the DNI space, you mentioned it felt like home to 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 find that transition into into DNI. How did it um, come about? Um, I guess you were at a point where so many doors could be could be open what um what attracted you there so i think i 
I don't think I know. I fell into aviation and hospitality because I had recently left South Africa. I found myself in London, you know, and I needed a stable job. I was 23 at the time, so <laughs> incredibly young, right? And I think at that point in my life, it was just about me getting a stable job and kind of just growing into my own skin, right? I was in a new country, um, hadn't quite settled yet, certainly wasn't in the financial position to feel settled in any way. And of course, even though, you know, English is my mother tongue and so language, you know, there wasn't a language barrier, you still feel as though you are an outsider because as soon as you open your mouth, you have an accent, right? People are naturally inquisitive or curious and ask those questions, oh, where are you from? Which in most cases is okay, but in other times, <clears throat> excuse me, other times, it, you felt as though, you know, you were an outsider, you were being othered, right? So I found myself falling into aviation because it was, um, well, it came up. I went for the interview. I was successful in getting it, right? And then I think I just reached um, a level of comfort. I finally had a stable income. I was able to travel, which is one of the main reasons why I left South Africa in the first place. I started making friends. I started putting my roots down where I was living. I had friends. And for me, what more did I really need at that point? And I think looking back on it now, 12 years had essentially passed me by and I'd never had the time to kind of really reconnect with what I had studied at university, so anthropology. Um, and I just hadn't really taken the time to introspect, self-reflect on, okay, <clears throat> it's been 12 years, so what's important to me now and what do I want to achieve moving forward? Because I found myself at the end of the 12 years in aviation, really being unhappy in the job, feeling like I needed that change, but not quite knowing how to make that change, right? Change for me is incredibly challenging in that I am very afraid of it. So I like my comforts. I like my routine. And I guess 12 years of aviation gave me that, right? Yeah. So when it came to my role being made redundant, I was forced into that decision, right? And now I was sat there thinking, well, now you have no choice. So now you've really got to pause and you've really got to do that introspection. And so that's what I started doing. And that's when I realized, Dylan, when was the last time you did something that you were just so incredibly passionate about, motivated by, and just thrived and flourished when you were doing it? And that was anthropology. That was cultural diversity, you know, humanity and all its um, 
diversity dimensions. And I was like, right, you've got that. Okay, so now how can you kind of turn that into um, uh, a career move, as it were? And so I started um, growing my network through LinkedIn, reaching out to people who were already working within the diversity, equity, inclusion space, started doing the self-education. And really, it was the start of a journey because I soon realized this is where I want to be um, and this is where I can make an impact. And so it kind of was just a beautiful alignment of my values of openness humility and lifelong learning together with my anthropology and yes here I am and I'm finally able now to kind of just start rooting and you're going to hear me say this a lot but it's because it's so important to me that community that rootedness because ultimately for me that is what belonging is for me I love that word rootedness yeah how would you how would you define rootedness how do you know that you you're, mm. you're creating roots mm. so I think for me it's It's how I would um, define belonging in many ways. Um, you know, for me, belonging is knowing one has a deep well of joy, um, community, safety, love, and the success of truly knowing oneself to tap into. And I think rootedness is very much a part of that. So I think, you know, belonging and rootedness are intimately intertwined for me, as it were. What else do you see belonging being linked with? Um, so you've, you mentioned rootedness. Uh, what else do you see being part of that? the picture mm. so we're thinking in <clears throat> in real life terms it's meant there's there's two um aspects to this and that is one based on you know my personal experience belonging has always been linked to my mental health and well-being mm. And on the other side, very much linked to um, my workplace and, and, and how I navigate that. So in terms of my mental health and well-being, you know, I self-identify as a gender fluid gay man. And so with that brings, um, yeah, some complications, right? <laughs> and an entirely different journey in and of itself, which, you know, we can explore a, a little later. But just in terms of belonging, you know, I think my story, my coming out story, if that's what you want to call it, really begins with, with shame, right? It's growing up as a gay man, in a society that still does not fully accept that people can be anything other than heterosexual. Mm. So, you know, since the age of, oh gosh, mm, 
probably about 10, 10 or 11, I've always had an understanding and awareness that I was different to other boys. So I talk differently. I behave differently. I was interested in different things. You know, I wasn't um, interested in football. I wasn't interested in sports for that matter. And I think I, in my own childish consciousness, I started to realize that this way of being wasn't wholly acceptable. So, you know, fast forward to my high school years, I was bullied really, really badly. And that experience taught me that who I was wasn't acceptable. I was less than, I was dirty, right? And so my reaction, you know, for so many years was just to kind of bury these feelings, right? And just push them so far deep within myself because that was the only way I was going to protect myself against the bullying, against this world that made me feel as though who I was wasn't acceptable, right? So I, I, I essentially was, I was crippling myself, you know, yeah. <clears throat> and my developing emotional self. And so um, Alexander Leon has this wonderful phrase and he says, you know, as, as queer people, we grow up playing different versions of ourselves to minimize that humiliation, the prejudice and the stigma. And that's the perfect way to describe how I grew up, right? And so this of course plays out in so many ways and it just becomes a mental health quagmire as it were. So I'm now, you know, at the age of 36, having to unpick, unravel all of this trauma so that I can begin to heal and I can, I can begin to feel a sense of belonging in my own skin, right? To better understand who I am. And on the other side, um, uh, I mentioned, you know, that this all spills out into into the workplace right because you go out into this world you're expected to build a career and so Tarana Burke she speaks of overachievement as a trauma response and this got me thinking because I, I, I read this line a few weeks ago and I've come to realize that for far too long I've really, I've driven myself into the ground with work, with building a career, right? Fixated on achieving, 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 this being my driving force to prove my existence as having value, as being worthy, to prove I don't need fixing, to prove that I can be a success despite my gender identity and sexuality. And so it's a rather long-winded answer. I'm so sorry for your answer. But, you know, that is how, that is how I would position my experience of belonging 
or unbelonging and and what that's been linked to in 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 my own experience thank you so much for sharing this personal um this personal story here was there a point or maybe someone you've met or a situation that helped you see the strengths that your whole self could bring to a table, the table just to the world in general and transitioning from the difficult, just, you know, hearing each time mm. I, I hear, you know, some stories where individuals are bullied, it just makes me so mad. Um, mm. And yeah, so what are there things that you, you think helped you transition out into from that phase into okay this is my whole self those are my strengths Mm. so I think a pivotal moment for me was getting out from under that yoke of small town thinking of growing up in a traditional family um, in which, you know, difference or at least visible difference was not actively encouraged because what would friends think? What would family say? And so I got out from underneath all of that when I went to university. So when I went to university for the first time, I was on my own, thrust into this world, and I could finally start exploring who I was. And I think the first time, and and we discussed this, I think, in previous conversations, you asked me, you know, do I remember the first time when I felt as though I belonged? And I think I can safely say a pivotal turning point for me was going to university and being welcomed into the local LGBTQ plus community. So it was an incredibly tiny community, but you know what? It was my first experience of a community. Mm-hmm. So it was a space in which I could explore my queerness It was the first time in my life I encountered people like me, right? I saw myself reflected in them. And that instantly started that journey of feeling at home in myself. I was was validated. My existence was validated. And I was accepted and respected. And I had never, ever had that before. Mm-hmm. And so that really gave me the courage to go back home after the first semester and not just come out to my parents and family, but to say, hey, world, this is me. And of course, <laughs> the me. <laughs> who I was openly declaring to the world back then 
is a very different me to where I am today. Um, you know, as can be expected, life's journeys take you in weird and wonderful directions. But, you know, it, it really requires, it demands of one to have this self-awareness and keep building the self-awareness. And so it's only recently have I started to kind of better understand myself and better understand my own journey. And there's so um there's so much strength and also vulnerability in, in, mm. in this story. Um, and I really want to acknowledge that and thank you for trusting me and trusting you know the this platform that is the podcast to to share this this journey. Um, and I, I I really hope that it can be an inspiration to to others. Um, would there be any anything, maybe any as an advice that you you'd wanna give to someone who maybe is 15 year old and lives in a small town uh, and mm -hmm. is coming to understanding that there there are some differences just in the way they are in, in ways that maybe are still kind of the norm in the society mm. that they're living. What would you like to, to say to them? I think the first thing that comes to mind is it gets better. Know that it gets better. And I think, you know, um, When I was growing up, the internet was only just being launched, right? It wasn't widely accessible. And I think um, younger generations and, and, and people who do find themselves cut off in, you know, in, in spaces where it isn't safe, to come out or it's not safe to, to be yourself and show up as you are, I think a, a lifeline is having access to these virtual online communities now. Um, and that's something I wish I had. But I think also there is now far better representation in social media, the media, films, literature, you know, and I, I can't help but think to myself whenever I, you know, switch on the television now and start watching a new series or go to the cinema um, since they've reopened and see myself reflected in these storylines and these narratives and you know these characters are so for the most part anyway are so layered and rich they're not playing to stereotypes anymore right that for me just brings so much joy and wonder because I think to myself that's what I needed when I was growing up and I didn't have that and so Yeah, representation matters and it gets better. 
and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for sharing this. Um, I would love to know, I guess, shifting a little bit the direction, I would love to know more about what you do now in the DNI space. Um, I understand that it's really aligning with your values. <laughs> um, yeah, would you like to tell us a bit more? Yeah, sure. So, um, like I've mentioned, you know, one of my one of my values is this lifelong learning, and I guess you know, not to overemphasize it in our discussion here. Um, I really do see myself as being on a number of different journeys and each journey brings with it learnings right and I think I I have two missions I guess um, now that I'm I, I'm starting to root within the um, diversity equity and inclusion space and that is one, I cannot overstate the value of doing that self-work, of doing the introspection, of being self-reflective, right? I have learned so much about myself and about my own communities that I'm a part of for doing that. So I'm a, I, I love journaling. I journal a lot, right? And so I want to bring this into the DE&I space. And so I'm very grateful to the Equality Leaders team for giving me that space to kind of just run with my ideas. And so I'm in the process of kind of crafting, creating whatever word you, you want to use learning experiences because they really are vital and they make such a difference. They've made a difference to me. And I think the other mission that I see myself or have bestowed upon myself is I recognize the privilege that I am afforded as a white university-educated, English-speaking, EU citizen, right? And there's, there's plenty of other privileges that I benefit from. And I want to harness these and I want to put them to work. So how can I use my privilege and the power that these identities that I carry um, to create more equity, right? How do I use that to amplify voices? How do I use that to show up as an ally to underrepresented, marginalized, disenfranchised people and communities? And that's what I'm working on. And that's what I see as a guiding principle. So whenever I find myself at work and doing my work, 
I try. I don't always succeed every day, admittedly, but I try to be intentional and just kind of get back to that. Yeah, those two guiding principles. I can feel your your passion here. Uh, I can see your passion. I know this is going to be a podcast episode, but I I'm seeing you live here, and I I can see just the 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 passion uh, and how much important this this work is is for you. And I I hear you. You know, I I've also transitioned from um, the the investment banking industry. Um, mm. You know, which you know things were 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 really good, but I've transitioned into um, a profession, you know, with 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 coaching that um, feels like home, right? Mm. Um, and it just just changing and it just changes everything. The the way you wake up in the morning, the way the energy you have when you're answering a tricky question on an email. Um, the yeah just everything the perspective the energy um is so is so different um yeah <laughs> it does absolutely yeah. and I think you know to that point when you know your why why you're doing what you're doing and you've got that purpose and it's personal that you know harnessing that having that oh my gosh, I'm just eternally grateful for finally having that because mm. it is so critical. It feels like a gift, doesn't it? Absolutely. That's, yeah. Fiorenza, that's the perfect word to use. Yes, it is a gift. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate that not everybody has that. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm grateful. Before we wrap up this, this episode today, um, there are three quick um, questions that we like to, to ask our guests. First question is, in a few words only, belonging to me is? Community, rootedness, safety, um, and connection. I love that. I love that. <laughs> the next one is the best advice that I have received and that I'd like to share is. Mm. <laughs> um, Such a hard question. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is because you, you get all these little nuggets of advice, right? All the time. And I should start. Uh, I should start cataloging these, um, right? So I think um, something that does come to mind is um, from. Uh, oh, he is an incredible author. Um, his name is Young Pueblo. You'll find him on Instagram, and he said something along these lines. And I hope I do his words justice when I say one's relationship with change will define your life. Mm -hmm. If you reject it, you will struggle. But if you accept it, it will inspire you to be more present and to live without holding 
back. Wow. And I love that. That, I love that it. speaks to me. <laughs> and the Instagram page is just amazing. Young Pueblo. I mean, yeah, it's, yes. Instagram page is, is great. I'm following it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And his his book, because he recently published his book. Um it's busy sitting in my Amazon wish list. So maybe I need to um, treat myself for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. Um, all right. And the last question is, the word would be a better place if? Mm, this is easy for me. The world would be a better place if we could all see vulnerability as a superpower, not a weakness. You know, it takes enormous courage to be vulnerable, to show up for yourself and to be unapologetically you. So for me, vulnerability is really, it's about leaning into our humanity and reaching deep to connect with others. That gave me Call, goosebumps. Co- Call me an optimist, call me naive, but I genuinely believe in vulnerability as a superpower. I absolutely love that. Yeah, for real, that gave me uh, goosebumps. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I want to thank you so much, Dunan, for this conversation. Um, Really, yeah, big thank you for sharing your story here um thank you so much thank you so much and and thank you to the belonging project podcast for just giving me the opportunity to to share my story with you and thank you for being such a a gracious host thank you for having me thank you for listening to the belonging project podcast We hope you enjoy our deep dive into belonging and listening amazing stories from our guests. We'd love you to share about the Belonging Project with your friends and colleagues. And also, we'd be delighted to connect on LinkedIn and share more about our experiences. Thank you again and stay tuned for the next episode.